to Ephesians. You remember we were there in Ephesians. And uh, what we looked at was God's purpose in each one's life on Friday, uh, that God always plans things. God is in control. And um, a lot of people feel that things happen in their lives just out of um, circumstances and they don't realize it's God who's ultimately in control, and he's come to do us good. God loves us. He cares for us. He's not against us. And um, we looked, and it, I'll just read um, from verse 3 of uh, Ephesians 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. And we stop there uh, last time. I want to go on. Uh, I translated it into English for you. Um, for those that didn't understand, God always purposes everything. It's always God who, who worked it out. Jesus Christ worked it out. The plan of salvation, as we saw, was before the foundation of the world. It wasn't that somehow God was caught out by the devil uh, in the garden and everything went wrong. It was all planned. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And over Easter, we look back to the fact that Jesus died for us and rose again the third day. Uh, we look back 
to the glory that he came to heal us, to deliver us, to forgive us. And that's the most important thing. Healings there, physical healing, spiritual healing, uh, mental healing. And God always cares for us. He's not against us, he's for us. Uh, man and woman gets their lives in a mess. People get their lives in a mess basically because uh, they're skilled at it. Um, some people practice a long time to get their lives messed up. Uh, it's uh, just the way people are, isn't it? And a Christian, when he's come to faith, he knows that God always works everything for his good. Nothing's against. God's for us. And a Christian lives by faith. Now it talks about here that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so often people misunderstand um, what's said here. Uh, and many, many Christians are Christians who have never been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What they have is a new birth, a new, new regeneration, but they've never been truly filled with the Holy Ghost. And it can happen at new birth, or it can happen as a subsequent experience. And a lot of people don't understand that. God intends us to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I find a lot of Christians take the position, well, if I'm born again, I've got everything. No. Because the disciples were definitely converted prior to Jesus' crucifixion and ascension because they believed who he was. They had revelation from heaven by the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And they did miracles, they did signs, they did wonders, but they were never sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise till the day of Pentecost. And many of the people in Scripture had experiences of God, they could speak by the power of the Holy Spirit, they had revelation from God, and Abraham was the father of the faithful, but he never received the promise. The promise came at Pentecost. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and Peter said, this is that. And if you haven't got that, you can't live this life. Uh, the power to live and witness to Christ is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And most Christians don't understand. I mean, a lot of people have had experiences of the Holy Ghost, but few who are sealed with that promise. That promise changes everything. Uh, it's nothing to do with entire sanctification. It is nothing to do with um, being holy. Uh, that is not um, sanctification. Christ is our sanctification. That process of being transformed starts at the day of your new birth. It's nothing to do with that. Uh, that was a mistake that the Methodists made. And they try to get people into second blessings 
on the basis of holiness. That is totally and utterly false. That's why John Wesley took them all into legalism and messed it up. Thank God for Charles Wesley, who used to ride it on horseback, go around with his wife, who actually loved him, and they, he used to write all his hymns while he rode from town to town to Charles Wesley um, and sing. He and his wife were great singers. They had a lovely church. Sweet-spirited man. Whitfield was a sweet-spirited man as well. He, he didn't want to fight with John Wesley, who was a bit of a tyrant, so he went off to America and the New England Revival and the greatest revivalist that England had really produced, which was Whitfield, great field preacher. Uh, he went off to America and ministered over there and was used of God tremendously. And lovely man. But in John's Gospel, let's go on. I want to talk about being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus... When he was on earth, he always challenged people. And you'll find if you go over to um, John's Gospel, chapter 4, I want to talk about being sealed with the Spirit. Jesus offered to do that very thing for a woman. And... Um, John 4 verse 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and parted again into Galilee. Uh, one of the things that happened was the Pharisees discovered that Jesus as John said in, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, uh, he must increase, I must decrease. Uh, and there came a time when Jesus' disciples were baptizing. And baptism, you notice, wasn't just John's prerogative. Uh, baptism for remission of sins, and that means baptism by immersion. Uh, but baptism was part of what the disciples of Jesus did. In fact, they were baptizing far more than John ever baptized. I find a lot of people make a mistake in believing that um, it's just John the Baptist who baptized. Not so. The Bible makes it plain, all right? Hello? It's that plain, isn't it? Okay, and then you'll find he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. 
For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. That's to buy food. And um, Jesus was there alone. He was um, sitting actually on the well, it says. And he was right there. And here comes this woman. It's quite interesting, actually, that um, here, here he was, and he sat down by the well, and it, here comes a woman. And he says, give me the drink. Because his disciples had gone to buy food. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Here's a Jew, Jesus, and here's this woman of Samaria. She's saying, well, what are you talking to me for? Don't you know? There shouldn't be any uh, fellowship. Terrible attitude, but that's the attitude that is prevalent in our society, unfortunately. And look what Jesus says. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, number one, you've got to know the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Hey, woman, one of the problems is you don't know who's talking to you. If you knew who it was who was talking to you, it would be different. Do you know... When God speaks, he speaks through human beings. Jesus lives in humans. If you knew who it was who spoke with you, the trouble is so often people are ignorant as to what's happening. They get angry, they get offended because they don't recognize who's talking to them. In the church, God calls us to be the oracles of God. The word of God is plain. You need to understand who's talking with you. You need to understand what's being said. Jesus said, blessed is he that's not offended. I find so many people take offense... But the word of God is the word of God. That's it. No right of appeal. What God says he means. And there's no way you can compromise it. There's no way you can say, ah, oh, but circumstances, issues. That's rubbish. Principles are principles. God's word's God's word. Absolute truth is true. Absolutely. It applies to every life. And so he says to this woman, if you'd known the gift of God, if only you'd known, but you didn't. 
First thing you need to know is the gift of God. The gift of God is God sent his only begotten son. He sent him with a purpose. If you know that, and then you know who it is who speaks with you. If you know that, two things. And when God comes, he always asks something of us. It's a strange thing. Jesus, wherever he went, always asked questions. And what do you want? He always asked. And here, he says to the woman, give me to drink. He's sitting on a well. And he's asking for a drink. God never asks us to do something that he hadn't made provision for already. Think of the disciples when they went out and they were fishing and they fished the wrong places. And then at the, when the morning comes, you know, and daybreak, they're coming back. They've caught nothing all night. They've toiled all night. Jesus said, well, let down your nets. And you remember in John's gospel, it tells you how they caught 153 fish. Not 154, 153. And the net began to break. And um, when they got to shore, this was after Jesus' resurrection, when they got to shore, they discovered that, that Jesus already had fish laid out cooking. Now why did he get them to fish for fish when he was already cooking the fish on the shore? There was a fire there and the fish were already cooking for them. Why did he tell them to fish and break their nets? I don't know. But he always said, why did he say to a woman when he's sitting on a well, you know, give me the drink? Strange. But that's God. God will always come and he asks strange things of you. You're smart if you listen. You're a fool if you don't. It just says, you've got to know the gift of God and who it is who talks with you. So important. The woman saith unto him, Sir, in verse 11, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And she goes back in history. She said, well, you know, the well's deep. Uh, where's this living water going to come from? Are you greater than our, our prophet Jacob? Was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are you greater than him? This Jacob, do you know his children drank of this well? Do you notice it was a generational thing? Jacob had to unstop the well. Do you remember that? Um, because there'd been the Philistines had come and blocked him up. Uh, and she's, she's saying, well, you know, but once he unstopped the well, our children were drinking of it. His children. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. 
But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come thither to draw. Hey, I want this. This water that's living. And this was, he was speaking of the Holy Ghost that should come. You'll find in John's Gospel, this is being sealed with the Spirit. You see, there's two types of Christian. There's a Christian who's born again who always thirsts. And you'll hear it in their singing, Oh God, I thirst for thee. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up. The reason is they've never really been filled with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, their supply is a very limited supply. Their knowledge is a limited knowledge. And they don't understand what it means to be really flooded with the Holy Ghost. And here's a woman. And Jesus says, look, you can drink of this well, but you're going to thirst again. But the water that I'm going to give you will take thirst away forever. And a true Christian, spirit-filled, who's sealed with the Holy Ghost, one thing he does, he never thirsts for God. He never thirsts for truth. He never. Why? Because God fills him from above and he gets power in his life, quickening in his being, and it's an eternal experience that goes on and on and on. It's a wellspring of life in him. And that's the difference between someone who's just converted and knows his sins forgiven and knows he's born and someone who's sealed with the spirit of promise. And so many people have stopped short and therefore their life experience is up and down, up and down all the time. But when the Holy Ghost comes, the promise of the Father which he promised to send, and you'll find it in Ezekiel 36 and 37, the promise, and you'll find it fulfilled uh, in Joel, it speaks of the promise, and when Peter points back to it, in Acts chapter 2, he said, this is that which was promised. It's a promise. And you'll find in Ephesians, Paul's wrote, you were sealed with the spirit of promise. And we need to be witnesses, but we can't witness until we've received that promise. And that promise, when it comes, transforms us. We never thirst again. It's a living well. Look at Jesus' description. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Alright? If you've got a well within, you'll never thirst. And it's strange, but there was Jesus sitting on Jacob's well. But Jacob's well was Old Covenant, and that was a Judaic system, and the well that he gives is an eternal well. It's internal. Do you understand? Hello? And that is the difference between someone who's a spirit-filled Christian and someone who's an, uh, just a Christian, 
just believes in new birth, but has never come into the, the real infilling of the Holy Ghost. So he's not got the power. And that's a terrible thing. Now you can have both those experiences at new birth. You can be both born and filled with the Holy Ghost. But I find most people have got the wrong ghost. You, you meet them and they, they haven't really got... And yet they can move. And, and the disciples healed the sick. They moved in gifts. They had discernment of spirits. They did everything before Pentecost. But they were told to tarry. And they'd be endued with power on high to be witnesses. But that witness was another experience. When a Holy Ghost was poured out. And they spoke in tongues. And Joel says, you're, you know, when the, in the prophecy in Acts 2, he says, your young men shall see visions, your old men dream dreams. Uh, you know, as you get older, you become a dreamer. It's all you've got left to do. Uh, yeah. Young men, they get the visions. Old men, they dream the dreams. Something about that. The young, they get the vision and, and they go for it. And the old men, they dream. What can be? And what was? God, God is good to us, isn't he? He always blesses us according to our age. Hmm? See, there's a vitality. When you're young and you're 25, 30, you believe you can conquer the world. When you're 50, who cares? When you're 60, you don't even think about it. But you dream dreams. There's nothing wrong with that. There, there is too much people. It's no good trying to be 30 when you're 60, is there? Hmm? You notice um, it's wrong. It, it just, but people are like that. They, they, they get the wrong idea. Now, there's the one thing about as you get older, you get judgment and wisdom. Young people don't have that. They, but as they make mistakes, they learn. That's what life's about. You learn by your mistakes more than you learn by the things you do right. But God intends us to be visionaries. And then God intends when we get older, just dream the dreams, you know. Uh, you dream dreams when you sleep, don't you? Oh, uh, let me say something about health. It's healthy to dream. It's healthy to have vision. It's very unhealthy to have no vision. It's an unhealthy thing when you have no hope for the future. It's an unhealthy thing. People get into depression and they get into real depression because they lose direction, lose hope, lose vision. They're not going anywhere and they arrive. Don't ever live like that. That's why education is so important, real education. Don't ever kid yourself. You young people, you need to get to a good university. You need a good degree. You need good qualifications, male and female. You need to be qualified. Don't let anyone rob you of it. Because education's the gateway to life for everyone. Don't you ever think that you don't need it.
you do. But what you don't do is you don't worship it. I believe in education. I believe too you need to know who's talking to you. You know the word of God is a wonderful book. Jesus never saw women as different from men in the sense of their value. When Jesus wanted everyone to know he was risen from the dead, it was women who turned up at the grave. One man. He sent the women to say, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. She needed to be filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. She was the mother of Jesus, but she still was there. And you'll find that throughout history, women have had a tremendous part to play. People look and they say, well, what about someone like Winston Churchill? Well, I want to tell you, but for his mother, he would not have been a great man. You read history. Uh, And God uses women, and it's women. If you look at, um, through history, you'll find women bring up the children. Women were very much involved in education. Women had a big part to play. Always understand, women are valuable. Don't ever denigrate education. You need education, you girls. You need to succeed. You need a good degree. You need to develop because you need it for life. It's important. Vital part of life. Don't opt out. Opt in. Don't let anyone con you with the lies of the devil. Education is not against God. Education is one of the things. God gave you a brain. He wants you to develop it. To the full. I believe in it. I've had two daughters. Both went to university. And I believe in it. They both got degrees. Why? Because that's what I believe in. My younger, the, the older daughter got married. She's married. She got married before she got a degree. But when she asked to get married, and she came with um, Philip, and he came and asked for the hand of my daughter, I said, you can't have her hand. You either take the lot or nothing. You know? <laughs> He said, I want to I wanna marry your daughter. <coughs> Fine. I said to my daughter, I said, you can get married on one condition. You go back to university, you get your degree. That's the condition. You finish your education, you get your degree. And so they got married. Philip finished his exam. She went back to university, got a first class honors degree. See? But education is important. You said, but she was married. Yeah. She might be married, but in life, you need education. Key to everything. Don't ever ignore it. It's vital.
every single one of you, and go to the top and succeed. Because I tell you, God won't make you the head instead of the tail unless you educate yourself. That's what I believe. It's what God teaches. And neither in the spirit, male or female. We're all one in Christ. Amen? Glory to God. It's true that women have smaller brains than men. I, I wouldn't like to say any more than what they discovered at Cambridge University. A professor discovered that women have smaller brains. That's fact. They use more, my wife tells me. They use it all. Well, it's that small, you've got to use it all. But uh, Very important. Here's a woman sitting, comes to Jesus, and she doesn't understand who it is. She doesn't understand the gift of God. And Jesus begins to talk with her. Now, when he talks with her, he says, look, I'll give you this living water. Now he's offering it to her. Offering her living water. She'll never thirst again. But then when you read on, you discover something about her. Because he just says, uh, woman, he said, go and fetch your husband. You know, Jesus is always kind of at the point where he, 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 he begins to um, reveal himself. He suddenly says to her, uh, go and fetch your husband. She says, sir, I have no husband. And Jesus said, in that you've said right. You've had five husbands and the one you're living with at the moment isn't your husband. So she was on a sixth <coughs> man. Do you notice that Jesus didn't ask her to clean up her life? He offered her the gift of God. He offered to reveal himself. He offered her living water and he totally ignored. Even though he knew, he offered her the gift. Sometimes I think we have a mistake in that we think that people have to be perfect before they can receive from God. This woman was offered living water and her life was a total mess. You see, you can't sort yourself out. It's God who sorts you out. You can't change yourself. You need Christ. You need the Savior and Redeemer to do it in your life. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to change you. It's not a matter of what you can do. You can't do anything. You need God to come and fill you. And then that living water will bring that life flow inside of you that transforms everything. That's what makes you a witness. Up to that point, you believe, you know forgiveness of sins, but you're not a living witness. Do you understand that? Then it goes on. I'll just read it so that um, she says, um, Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, verse 17, I have no husband. Jesus answered, said unto her, Thou hast well said, 
I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thine husband. In that thou sayest truly. I tell you what I love about Jesus. She didn't say, I've had five husbands. All she said was, I've got no husband. And Jesus says, no, you haven't got a husband in that. And then he goes, you've had five, and the one you're living with isn't your husband. And he says, in that you said true. He picks the bit that's true. Did you notice that? He says, this is, there's only one bit of what you said that's true. But Jesus picks out the one grain of truth in it. And he said, in that you've said true. I like it. The woman said unto her, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto I that speak unto thee am he. Hey, he told her who he was. He said, if you'd known who it was, now at the end, he says, I'm telling you who I am. I'm the Messiah. Boy, she runs into to the town and she tells everyone. And the whole town come out. What an evangelist. You know, when God picks someone up, he uses them. Amen? And usually they're the oddest person, they're the oddest people. Uh, when God saved me, the last thing people thought I'd be was religious. Well, I'm not really religious, am I? Uh, I, I sometimes marvel. I'm just plain spoken. I mean, I'll tell you the way it is. I just care about my God. I love this story. When I think of this woman, I think, how can God offer her living water? Well, he offered it to me. He offered it to me when I was trying to prove he didn't exist. My life wasn't bad. It was terrible. <laughs> I, 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 it wasn't that I did things wrong. It was I didn't do anything right. And God came to me, met me, spoke to me. The difference was I recognized who it was who spoke with me. There's only one thing that matters. Do you know the gift of God and who it is that speaks with you? This morning, 
Do you know, Jesus is sitting at the well. He's at the head of the river. The, the river flows from beneath the throne of God. And we were in him before the foundation of the world. And he says, you can have this wellspring in you. You can have such life in you that you'll never thirst. But when you're flooded with that spirit, you lose any desire for anything else. You know, it just changes your whole life. And the only thing that satisfies is him. There's nothing else on earth that's worth anything. You just fall in love with Jesus and he becomes everything to you. And if that hadn't happened, you haven't received the Holy Ghost. He's a wonderful Savior. And he's a wonderful God. There's nothing he won't do for you. And I want to tell you something. He sits at a well this morning, wellspring of your heart. And he'd ask you a question. Do you want living water? Water that gets rid of frustration, rid of everything in life, brings the peace of God, glory of God. Do you know who it is who really talks with you? Do you know that you've got to put everything on the altar for him? The cross has to work. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him. There's something beautiful about this Jesus. He's good. Really good. I want to ask you something as an individual. Do you know who it is who speaks with you? Do you know this Christ in a personal way? Do you know him in the reality of being sealed with the Holy Ghost, the spirit of promise? Are you certain? Are you living the right way? Or are you living the wrong way? Because that's really where it's all at. Our God is a good God. He's never against you, he's for you. He's only come to do you good. Comes with love. Comes with power. Comes with grace. Came to this woman and he didn't come to expose her. Just came quietly. It was sitting there. Just waiting for her. And she came. And now her name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He said, woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who spoke with you, 
Do you realize that woman asked for that living water? And there was a day when God fulfilled that promise for her. But before he did that, he revealed who he was. She said, I know there's a Messiah coming. Jesus said, I am he. He revealed himself. When she went away, she went away changed. There was no condemnation. He hadn't come to judge or condemn. He came to forgive. There was something about that name, that life, and he hasn't changed at all. He loves you. Hadn't come to blame you, hasn't come to accuse you, hadn't come to do anything. He just sits at the well, waiting. And when people come, he says, well, can you give me the drink? They look at the impossibility. Huh. God, you've got nothing to draw with. How will you do it? The well's deep. You don't know how deep my life's gone. You don't know. How can you expect me to give you water? And he says, you can't, but I can give you living water. And that water will change everything. As the spirit of promise. That was the story. Whatever you say that's true, he'll say that's true. He'll tell you the rest too. Not to hurt you, but to help you. He's not in the hurting business. Life's hurt enough. I see so many people so bitter, so messed up, so confused. But when Jesus comes and waits, he comes with love and grace and mercy. Not come to hurt you. I can't understand why people flee from him. He's not against you, he's for you. Our God is not an angry God, he's a loving God. He's not in some way looking down ready to condemn he's ready to lift you up full of grace full of truth this morning he's here I know he is he lives in me
What do you need? It asks you, can you give me a drink? Can I drink of your life? Would I find sweetness and life? Or would I find the bitterness, the emptiness? There's nothing. And then he says, well, I can give you living water if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's speaking to you. This morning, do you know who's talking to you? The God of heaven sent his son a gift for you. And he's right here, right now. This can be a new day in your life. Let's pray. Just close your eyes. Don't look round at anyone else. There's a God of grace, a God of truth, a God of love. A God of mercy. Your life might seem messed up. Might seem full of impossibilities. Hey Jesus, you can't. You've got nothing to draw with. You can't reach down that low. The well is deep. But I want to tell you, he doesn't have to reach down. He's the God of the impossible. Everything you feel is impossible 
becomes possible because of the gift of God and who it is who's talking with you. Because that's why he came. The Holy Ghost is here for you this morning. He's saying it's time. Now I know there's some of you here. Holy Ghost has got inside you. And you know who it is. Who's speaking with you. There's a turmoil going on inside. With some, it's a pain inside. Suddenly, it touched you. Now, I want everyone here, just keep your head down and mind your own business. Don't you interfere with anyone. But I want those that know it's God's voice to them. I want you to get up out of your chair now and walk straight down the front. Come on. You who know. Don't look up anyone else. If you know, you come. And don't you come because others are coming. You come because God said so. Right up the front. spoken to you. Father, I just pray for these dear ones. Lord, your word's true. It never returns to you void. But what you send it to do, it always accomplishes. It always does what you intend. Spirit, reach into each life right now. Fulfill your purpose in each one. I pray, break every chain, loose every fetter. 
Lord, and fulfill your word. And every part of their being. Now just open up your heart to him. Don't worry about anyone else. He's here for you. He's come to give you living water. He loves you. You can drink of it right now. said he'd give you 2,000 years ago he poured out his spirit you can just receive my Bible says if you being evil know how to give your children good gifts how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask it's that simple The word he spoke will not return void, but it will accomplish that which he sent it to do. That's God's promise, and he will not fail you. Okay? <laughs>